the LA Clippers have given their fans a roller coaster of a Thursday with the earlier news coming out that seemed unthinkable that Kawhi Leonard was going to be out for Game 3 with a sprained knee. It gave the Clippers a classic next-man-up kind of game, and they almost got the job done against the Phoenix Suns. What were the vibes like in the building? What went wrong? What can the Clippers do to adjust for Game 4? So much to get to, all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Viziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod for even more Clipper content. A video that I took from the first playoff game in two years will be on my YouTube channel on Friday. And Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to tell me what you think was the biggest reason we lost this one. I know I asked the same thing for Game 2, and it's a little redundant, but there's so many things that you can say that I honestly just want to hear your take, guys. So please spam it in the comments. Where do I even begin? Kawhi Leonard being ruled out. I mean... That was just depressing when I heard that news. I was going to get a haircut, and I walk in to the freaking barbershop, and Kawhi Leonard is out. It almost felt like a bad dream. It felt like something out of the regular season, not something you would expect in the playoffs at all. And, I mean, I don't know. It was it was just so depressing, and it just kind of made you think so many different things. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are telling me, Clippers are cursed. Clippers are cursed. I'm sorry this happened. You know, this always happens to us. I don't believe in that curse stuff anymore because the curse has always been moved in terms of what it was for the Clipper organization. Now they're saying it's championship. We were never thinking about championship when the, when the term Clipper curse was coined. We were never thinking about championship when it was coined. And so it's evolved, you know. Blake Griffin said this best. He said, after we blew the 3-1 lead to Houston, he said it used to be about drafting the wrong guys, dudes getting hurt, the Clippers never being able to produce a winning team. And he was right about that. And we broke that curse by becoming a sellout team six years in a row and it just being, you know, a winning team, a playoff team consistently. Then it was the second round curse where I legitimately thought that we may have had a hex or a curse on us. I'm not going to lie. And then we broke through that and that told me that there is no curse, just bad luck. And this again falls in that bad luck category. They said Kawhi Leonard was out in game one. I'm sorry, he got this injury in game one. And then in game two, he re-aggravated it. And now it's just in even more pain. Apparently, Kawhi really pushed back for this. According to Lawrence Frank, he really pushed back on this, really wanted to play. The medical staff, again, rules him out. By the way, if my voice sounds like a little bit weirder than normal, I lost it at the game. So I, I tried my hardest, guys. I tried so hard. Um, I think the crowd was just exceptional in terms of 
you know, for the Clippers standard. And I, actually, I shouldn't even say that because that's insulting the Clipper fans because we've produced some incredible crowds in the past. But I don't expect us to be as loud as Phoenix or as loud as New York or Boston. I don't expect that. I compare us more to like, you know, the Lakers, maybe even Milwaukee. Milwaukee's crowd's pretty good. Um, Miami, I mean, Miami's been pretty poor. We haven't seen a home game there in the playoffs yet, but in the play-in, I mean, there were so many empty seats and they only got loud later in games. Listen, the atmosphere was fantastic in the building on Thursday night. It was the best Clipper crowd besides the Game 6 Curse Breaker game since I want to say definitely the 2015 playoff run, either Game 7 against the Spurs or Game 3 against Houston. Because I was at Game 4 against Houston, and I mean, it was pretty loud, but we blew them out, so it wasn't really as close. It didn't get to like the fourth quarter loudness levels of Game 3 against this year, you know, the one I'm talking about now. So I would say either Game 3, the Austin Rivers game in 2015, or Game 7 against the Spurs. But it was that good. It was better than the play-in. It was better than any of the conference finals games. I kid you not. It really was because in the conference finals, they were still blocking off the first couple rows. Um, over. It was a sold-out, obviously, no empty seats kind of thing in this one. But the boys fought so hard. You know, you knew it was going to be a next-man-up mentality. I didn't expect to win. But, of course, seeing what the Clippers have done in the past, I'm not going to fully rule us out. And I was hoping that we would get bad games from some of the Suns' big four. We didn't really get that. And it depends on you. Do. I mean, actually, no. Chris Paul was 5 for 18. I didn't realize that. And he missed a lot of open shots. 1 for 8 from 3 for Chris. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, and a block. So he still did some other things to affect the game for Phoenix. But overall, he did not shoot well. And he was the only Sun starter that didn't shoot well. Because Torrey Craig was three for five, three for four from deep. So he continues to just be lights out from three. I got to give him credit. And then Aiton, four for nine. He was pretty quiet. Four for eight from the foul line. So you could say Aiton didn't have a very good game. But honestly, that's common for him to have like an efficient game. But when you watch it, he doesn't actually affect the game all that much. And then, I mean, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant, very efficient stat line. 28.6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals on 8 for 15 shooting and 11 for 11 from the line. But he had 6 turnovers. So in that sense, the Clippers did another really good job on him. But it was Devin Booker who had such a good game in Game 2 and he even topped it in Game 3. He was just unstoppable. 45.6 rebounds on 18 for 29 shooting, 3 for 7 from deep and 6 for 7 from the line. He just could not be stopped. But the Clipper offense, you know, it was really a valiant effort. I mean, on both both ends of the floor, I think it was a valiant effort. I thought first quarter, the intensity was so high defensively. Nico, Russ, I mean, again, guarding Kevin Durant more than anybody. Just amazing how hard he's made him work. But there are matchups when they get somebody else switched on a KD, like an Eric, like a Norman, like a Bones. We were doubling with Zubats, again, not guarding Torrey Craig. And one thing that I felt was interesting was Craig was open a lot, and he passed up a lot of shots. And that surprises me, given how well he's shooting. It seems like, and I think I started to figure it out more, he's very encouraged to take corner threes, but not as much with the others. But I think he, I feel like he's shot well from the top of the key and all that too, but it feels like when he's shot top of the key, it's been more mid-range or 18 feet, not threes. So that's interesting. I'm going to take a... I'm gonna, you know, pay a closer, take a closer look at that as I rewatch the game and as I watch game four and as the series continues. But look, I also want to say that my analysis, you know, 
is going to be very raw right now because I just came back from the game. I haven't rewatched it. And sometimes when you're at the game, you know, you're screaming your lungs out. You have so much adrenaline pumping. You don't see the game from the same lens as you would on TV. But overall, I feel like I have a good pulse of what happened. I mean, the first quarter, the, in the first half, the only issue were the turnovers. And a lot of those were rust. But I got to look back at the, the entry passes to Zoo and what was going on there because Zoo for the second straight game, and this is making me look bad because I've been so... You know, defendant of Zoo all season long. But he's been poor in these two games. He looks just kind of going through the motions. Not really affecting the game. And part of it is because he's a fantastic drop coverage big defensively. But these two guys, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and Chris Paul when you let him get to his right, they are the drop coverage killers. So it's very hard. Now Zoo has to come hedge the screens. And then that puts our back line, you know, in a tough situation after having to guard three on four when we're not putting insane amounts of pressure on the ball. So, and we're, we, I mean, we put some good pressure on the ball, but I got to, again, I got to watch the screen and roll and see when we had Zoo hedging the screens, if it made any difference. Because in drop coverage, that's clearly why Ty Lue went away from him because he doesn't trust, it's not that he doesn't trust Zoo. It's more that the Suns are punishing us in drop coverage. But then we went to double teaming Devin Booker and Kevin Durant later in the game. And it's just like, that showed you the quality of the Suns, even though they're so unimpressive as a team. Sorry if I have any Suns fan listening. You are very unimpressive as a team. But those two guys garnering double teams, you have two different guys that can guard double team that can garner double teams, are getting hard doubles, not even loaded up on, just straight hard doubles, get the ball out of their hands. That's tough to deal with. And I thought that the loading up off of a Kogi, off of Chris Paul, one pass away, was working a lot better than the straight doubles on Booker and KD because they were getting in those four-on-three situations, and it was hard. I thought Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook led the way for the Clippers, and coming up, I know there's so much to get to. I've like barely even gone through the game, but coming up, going to be going more in-depth about the good things that the Clippers did, who stepped up, and which players you just needed a little bit more from. Obviously, I just talked about Zoo. We're going to be talking about all that coming up. But before we do that, I got to tell you about Nissan's most electric player of the week. It's brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And I'm going with Russell Westbrook because he's had three good games in this series, in my opinion. He really has. He has been electric, which he always is. He has been brilliantly fierce, which he always is. He has been stunningly powerful, which at this point, it's not that stunning because he has been powerful for many a year now. (laughs) I mean, what? a decade plus. So Russell Westbrook is my Nissan player of the week. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, well, it's technically Saturday, so the Clippers are playing. So I'm going to try my best to get out an episode at, by Saturday night about what happened in Game 4. God, it's going to be a nerve-wracking game for sure. But let's continue talking about Game 3. The Clippers really fought in this game. I want to reemphasize that. I am not mad at the players. They played their hearts out. But it just so often feels like I have to say, you know, I'm so proud of the guys. They played so hard without Kawhi, without Paul George, without Kawhi and Paul George. It's just, it gets very tiring eventually. But you got to give credit to the guys. 
I mean, Russell Westbrook, yeah, he had his turnovers, right? He came with his good and bad. But without Westbrook, we were not generating offense like that. Like, we're not going to generate good enough shots throughout a game to stay in a game like that against that level of opposition without Kawhi and Paul George. And I also thought his defense was just exceptional again, just fighting over the top of screens, chasing guys down and getting back into the play, poking the ball from behind, getting blocks from behind. He's just been amazing with his effort. And, you know, I I do have to take some accountability myself in terms of some of the stuff I said about Russ. And I did underestimate situation and fit. I did in this situation. And I, it sucks because I really love Westbrook. And I'm so happy to see him play this kind of basketball with the Clippers with this kind of joy again. Just shows you what situation does. Now, when I made the comments about Westbrook and me not wanting him on the Clippers, it was more that I didn't think we could win the championship with him. Now, I can't it's not going to happen this season, I've already said, and especially with this kind of stuff, I think it's I think it's not going to happen. But the way he has played in these first three games, I think, has been great. He got to the basket. He really tried to bully Devin Booker, and a couple times he really has. His passes, besides, I mean, the turnovers, he still made some good ones. And he pushes the pace, and his left-to-right crossover and transition is beautiful to watch. I thought he was really good. But Norman Powell, I mean, how insane was he? We've been calling for a Norman Powell game to get his three-ball back, and it totally returned on Thursday night in game three. I mean, he was just, it felt like he couldn't miss at all. 42 points, five rebounds and three assists on 15 for 23 shooting and seven for 12 from three and five for seven from the line. I mean, seven for 12 from three. For Norman Powell, who's been struggling from deep, that's crazy. He was getting to the basket at will. He really was on those curl plays, just driving to the hole with conviction but the third quarter oh my goodness you guys have been this is my first year at locked on right but you guys have been listening to you know so many of my episodes how many times have you heard me complain about officials very few if any that was the worst officiating in a clipper playoff game Probably since 2014, game six, when we threw trash on the court as the fans. It was insane. I understand the Clipper players are playing physical. I do. But it's playoff basketball. Devin Booker tried to get a take foul on Westbrook, and they didn't call anything, and it led to a turnover. Bones Highland took his hand away last second and put his hand straight up against Damian Lee. Doesn't even slap down. Gets called for a foul. Torre Craig is losing his balance on the baseline. Slips out of his hands. The ball slips out of his hands. And it's a push foul on a little nudge. Those are just some of the fouls that I can reference. Or bad calls. I thought we were the home team. I thought after a couple games where I thought Phoenix... I mentioned this last game. We may have gotten more free throws, but I still think the officiating was slightly biased in their favor. They don't go to the basket. The only person that goes to the basket is Booker. That's it. KD does not get to the basket. He stops and pops, and granted, he's so good at it, but he doesn't really make the defense collapse the same way. We double-team him, and honestly, I also want you to let me know in the comments, should we straight double-team Kevin Durant? Because at this point, I may be more down for him to go off than Booker. Booker's killing us. You've got to give him credit. I know a lot of Clipper fans don't like him, and he complains a lot and is annoying. 
and he definitely seems to talk a little bit more when he's ahead. But he's he's a very good player. Like that shot with five seconds on the shot clock late in the game in the corner, that was Kobe-esque. I mean, insane. Nothing you can say. But Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, I thought were awesome. Bowens Highland. We needed a good game from him, and we got it. He was electric. He, he, there are a couple times he was isolating. The crowd got so hyped. It was awesome. Like one-on-one against Chris Paul, he said, clear out. I'm too quick for him. Bones was really good. At the end of the game, right, so the Clippers were outscored 40-34 to 34 in the third. The crowd was totally taken out of the game with those calls. I mean, it was just constant stop, constant stop. We couldn't play D. We couldn't play D. I want to say it was bad defense because we have 40 points allowed in the third, but we couldn't play D. I'm sorry, but we couldn't. It was, yeah, the, the refs were ridiculous. Fourth quarter, we outscored the Suns 39-35. And something you saw was, first off, I want to start by saying that Marcus Morris made his return. And if any game, I tweeted this before the game, but if there was any game where we needed Marcus Morris and he could have been used well, it's a game without Kawhi and Paul. The only reason I said before the season that Marcus's presence is redundant on the team is because we have two guys that can score and their struggle is they don't get to the rim enough. We don't need another guy that's only there to score and can't get to the rim enough. Well, he made a buzzer beater to end the first quarter, made another shot, but overall he still bleeds a lot of points. He can't stay in front of anybody. And when we're switching a lot, and we were switching more in this game, switching more, uh, Mason Plumlee still doing his hedge recovery. But there were actually at times where Mason was dropping too. And I think it's because the Suns don't have guys that can get to the rim like that. So it's a shallow drop for Mason. But that being said, they still create tons of four-on-threes with Mason Plumlee out there. That's why we went small. And listen, we didn't just go small. We went tiny. So Marcus Morris was bleeding points. Roko, we gave him like two minutes. He got like a strip or two, missed a three, and then didn't see the court for the rest of the game. Four minutes, one block, I'm sorry, and one shot. I, I mean, he had his even plus minus. I think he should have played more, obviously. And I think that, so the Clippers went tiny ball. Not even small ball, tiny ball in the fourth quarter. Bones, Highland, Eric Gordon, Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, and Terrence Mann at center. Terrence Mann at center. I couldn't believe it. But it was working offensively. Like, we had a lot of speed. And on defense, we created a couple of steals. And we had really good closeouts. And it was, it was just a lot of, like, running guys off the line and trying to use our speed to make up ground in the half court and stuff like that. Close out. The problem was we were bleeding too many rebounds when Aiton came back in because, again, we have Terrence Mann at center. And we just don't have enough good one-on-one defenders in that lineup. Like, they tried to go at Bones Highland in the pick-and-roll lot towards the end. And and there were a couple times where Bones held his own. But they still got some really good looks. And we were doubling, straight doubling Booker and KD a lot in that second half. So they're getting a lot of those four-on-three situations. And we were lucky that Chris Paul missed a ton of shots. But Torrey Craig... Booker or KD, when they were the ones left open, stepping into mid-ranges and all that, they were cash. They were cash, and that's just the benefit of having another 30-point caliber scorer out there with you that KD has with Booker, who's been the best player in these three games because Kawhi didn't play in this one. I would have had Kawhi, who I thought we would, who I think it changes the game absolutely, but given the atmosphere, given the way the Clippers battled, assuming they have a similar kind of fight with Kawhi, I think we absolutely win that game. I think with a couple of different calls, we may win that game. But the point is, do I think we go to that smaller lineup in the game four? Because it had some pros. I think we may. I think we may because Ty Lue is so guard heavy and he's not going to play Rocco. And Senior still was bleeding too many points. And I have to mention it, but Nicholas Batum. I love Nicholas Batum. I never thought he would let me down this way or let us down this way. 
Three straight games, he's given us nothing offensively. 0 for 1 from deep. And look, his defense is pretty good. But, I mean, a donut in 19 minutes, you got to be able to get more shots up, affect the game a little bit more. He was starting out on Aiton. We had Zoo on Craig for help, just like we have in the first two games. And it was solid. You know, we can switch the pick and rolls. His defense is fine. Eric Gordon, by the way, defense was also fine. He's He's competing. I don't blame the Clippers when they send a double when he's guarding Kevin Durant. We don't have the best one-on-one defenders, and without Kawhi and Paul George, especially Kawhi, it really hurts us with our switch-everything kind of scheme, you know, trying to go switch one through four or lineups when Zoo and Plumlee aren't in like we saw in the fourth quarter. None of them are in. We have a switch-everything kind of set. Russ was holding his own for the most part. EJ and Nico, I mean, especially EJ because he played more. He played 31 minutes, Nico only 19. I thought defensively he was good, but offensively we still needed more. Only seven points for him. Two rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block. So see, active hands. Only two turn. I mean, I'm sorry, two turnovers though. Two for six from the field. O for three from deep. We just needed a little bit more scoring punch from EJ. I believe he had four points in the fourth quarter. As far as the turnovers, the Suns thirteen turnovers. The Clippers eighteen turnovers, and a lot of those came from Russell Westbrook, but he only had one turnover, if I'm not mistaken, in the second half, so he cleaned it up. He had six turnovers in the game, 12 assists, so two to one assist to turnover ratio. You can tell me how you feel about that, but 30 points, eight rebounds, 12 assists, three steals, and a block on 11 for 23 shooting, three for seven from three, and five for six on the line in 40 minutes. If you were to tell me that Russ was going to have that stat line before the game, I would take that all day long. All day long. So Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, Bones Highland, these guys brought it. But Batum, Ivica Zubats, these are the guys we need a little bit more from. And defensively, you can let me know what you think in terms of maybe putting a Rocco out there as a small ball five or even just one Nico out there and taking one of the guards out. But all those guards, besides Eric Gordon, they kind of... I don't want to say earn the right to play, but earn their minutes in the game. I mean, Norman Powell was sensational. He just kept making threes. But overall, the class and the Phoenix Suns hurt us. Coming up, going to be talking about what the big picture takeaway for me I got today was. You're not going to probably like it. But for some, you might be happy I'm saying it. Going to be talking about that coming up. But before I do that, I got to tell you about eBay for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. The Phoenix Suns, not sure if they're a perfect fit yet. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring back home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's close it out. Clippers turn the ball over too much, but I honestly, as crazy as this sounds, I don't think the 18 turnovers actually cost the Clippers the game. Norman Powell also had four turnovers, so it wasn't just Russ. 
Those two combined for 10 of the 18. So you wish they could have kept the taking care of the ball better. In Norman's case, he has three assists and four turnovers. At least Russ has 12 assists and he's taking risks on passes. But if it's a Zubats, I got to take a look at the film because he was not sealing really. He wasn't really rolling well. But a combined six points for Nico and Zoo. If you throw Eric in there, it's just 13. Marcus Morris, five points, four rebounds on two for five shooting. Mason Plumley, I thought he was okay. Did what he needed to, I guess. Four points and five rebounds on two for two shooting in 16 minutes. He was good in that dunker spot finishing. But defensively, I don't know. I don't know about him defensively in this series. Because if he is going to come out and hedge the screens, he needs to do at least the job of preventing the pass over the top to his man. Make them pass to the side and then recover. Because when they pass it on the wing, at least you'll have a defender closer there. And he'll have Mason will have time to get back to his man. But when you let that pass go over the top to the screener, four on three short roll situations, usually a corner three wide open for the other team. Bones Highland, 20 points on six for 12 shooting and two for three from deep, six for eight from the line. The Clippers shot 19 for 25 from the line in this game. Bones Highland, he had a three late in the game. It was in and out. Oh man, it would have brought the house down. But the, but the Phoenix Suns, 35 for 46 in the game from the foul line. 35 for 46 from the foul line. I mean, I really don't like being that guy. I really don't. But they got some help tonight. And I even saw a Suns fan on my Twitter timeline saying that. But the moral of the story, guys, is... So 35 for 46, yes. They shot 48% from the field, 37% from three, and 76% from the line. Terrence Mann, by the way, 10 points, three boards, three assists, two steals on four for six shooting, and two for four from deep. Listen, with T-Man, I think he should have kept on... Uh, I wouldn't say kept on playing. I think he played. He got a good amount of minutes. I think he should be getting 30-plus. I think in terms of guarding one-on-one, though, I think Terrence is a good defender. But I think that we, I don't want to say we overrate him, but I think we struggle at the point of attack defensively so much at times that we think he's like a lockdown defender, but he's not. He's a good defender that's going to work harder than the players that we have, but he still can't guard elite guys like Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. He really can't. D-Book was torching him one-on-one. He really was. And I love Terrence Mann. You know, I'm, I'm like basically a Terrence Mann stan. But he was still decent, though. I mean, he was 50% on his threes. He got in double figures. He helps in the transition game. Hopefully, he gets more minutes in game four. But overall, that was it. 129 to 124, the Suns, they take a 2-1 lead. Game four is going to be massive. You'd only hope, because by the way, you'd only hope they, that the Suns get tired because Kevin Durant, 42 minutes. Chris Paul, 41 minutes. Devin Booker, 45 minutes. It felt like the dude would not come out of the game. It felt like he would not come out of the game, and he didn't really. So I got to give him credit for that to continue to play at a high level, even playing all those minutes. But hopefully the fatigue factor wears on them a little bit on Saturday. It's such a quick turnaround, just on 12:30, and it's insane to me that the Clippers have to play Game Three before the Lakers even play Game Four. It's just nuts. Into a dome can't come soon enough. But the thing I noticed uh, today or Thursday, Kawhi getting hurt. It, it may have just ruined our whole season. Because this game, I mean, it, this was there. 
It was there for the taking. And I think with Kawhi, we win this game. He makes a huge difference. 2-1 looks very different when you're up and have another game at home right after. Now it's a battle again. We don't even know who we're going to see in game four in terms of Kawhi or Paul George. It's just whatever you want to say about Kawhi, the fact of the matter is that he and Paul George just can't stay healthy. All season long, we load manage them. And I was critical of that. I said, how do we know they're not going to get hurt in the playoffs? How do we know they can even play seven games in the playoffs consecutively? I hate that I was right. I hate it. I really do hate it. Because all season long, you put the fans through hell. You know, so many games where you're, you don't want to play the guys over their minutes restriction. And it costs us games to the point where Kawhi Leonard is calling you out himself. Where Paul George is saying load management does not work on podcasts. He's saying that we don't practice enough. We do all that precautionary stuff only for our players to still get hurt in the playoffs. Because you're playing a probability game. It's what I always say. I'm not a doctor, but all it is is a probability game. You have a chance to get hurt at all times in pro sports or in sports at any level. So sacrificing all that only for our players both to be injured in the playoffs again, it just feels like a slap in the face. It just doesn't feel right. It feels like we cannot win with these two as our best players. That's the God's honest truth. And I don't think we can win as Kawhi. I don't know if Kawhi can do this. He's so good when he's on the court. Does our medical staff have to be questioned? Because we just haven't been able to keep anyone healthy. They've gotten worse than Chris and Blake, Paul George and Kawhi. They truly have in terms of lack of availability. And as far as Toronto and him winning a chip there, maybe... That was just extremely fortunate Toronto got that he was able to stay healthy. Maybe he won't be able to stay healthy for a whole playoff run again. And he did play 60 60 games. Is he even capable of doing that anymore? I'm not even trying to get mad at Kawhi. It's just that his body let him down. And the game is just rough on the body. I don't know, man. As I said, me personally, I threw out the championship hopes in the loss of the Warriors like, I think it was Russ's third or fourth game with the Clippers. I think it was his third game. That was his fourth game. And I did that, and I've, I've honestly been more at peace since. But I don't want you to fully do that if you don't want to. I think everybody should still believe in the championship vision. But, like, again, from the beginning of the season, does this look like championship vision to you? Does this feel like a championship season? No. Hopefully, though, in my opinion, in game four, we don't. we shouldn't hard double so much, one. Honestly, try to get KD to beat us more than Booker. Maybe just take the ball out of Booker's hands. Hopefully some of them shoot poorly. Mainly one of those two. If Chris Paul has a decent game, as long as he doesn't play well at the end, I'm okay with it. If we can limit KD and Booker, that would be nice. One of them has a bad game. Or both. A really bad game. Like a poor shooting night. Because even Devin Booker, who wasn't great in game one, he's had a decent shooting night. I need a poor shooting night from those two. And then hopefully... Tory Craig as well. And then maybe some help from the refs. I mean, can we get some home-centric calls, please? Because I don't know if Norman Powell can do that again. Or Russ. Like, how is Russ going to have a bad game eventually? Probably He's going to have to, I feel like he's bound to have at least one. But maybe not. Who knows? When your defensive effort is that good, you can make up for bad shooting. That's a lot. So, that's what I got to say on that. But we need better from Zoo. We need better from Nico. We really do. I think Eric Gordon is bound to have a good game in game four because he, uh, offensively because he didn't have a good one in game three or game two. But we'll see, guys. You let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought was the biggest reason we lost, how you want to adjust defensively. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper. I'm going to have a video. My first playoff vlog in two years is going to be dope. Out on Friday, you can see what the building was like, what the atmosphere was like, and my raw reaction after the game. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Clippers. We continue to grow. It's awesome. I thank you so much. A couple people came up to me at the game tonight just letting me know that they know my stuff and they appreciate me. And that is like, like that's the silver lining to all of it for me as a fan. Because I've been dealing with clever disappointments since I was a little kid against Phoenix too, funny enough. But this makes it all worth it, you know, to have supporters like that, just supporting a fan, just like you. I'm no different. Not a media member yet. I don't even know if I want to be for the Clippers. I love doing this, and I love being a fan just like you. Thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Check me out on Locked On Sports today. I was on there for your second listen. Clippers game four is on t- at 12.30 on Saturday. I won't be there, so please be loud. Please be loud. The Clippers lose home court advantage back to the Suns. Two games to one. They lead it in the series. Got it all to do now. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.